Can you stay down? Stay down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a tag. You can just drop. His mercy is mine. And we can repeat. Our sins, they are many. Yes, my boy. Yes. Verse 3. Verse three. Um, let's type verse 3. Is my friend working? Like the beginning, two lines. We can come back. We stand near death. Because we want it big to get two times or chorus after that. First two lines, we can drop. What riches of kindness he lavish on us. Donna, actually drop on G. What riches of kindness he lavish on us. Dun, 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 dun. And we'll pick it back up. We stood in the devil's That's the one? All right. You good, Michelle? All right. So let's go to the next one real quick, and then we can come back to... Hello. All right. Um, that version is different because there is a little chorus in there. I hope you all listen to it and see how it goes. So that song is the same... Redem of what we used to play. Gonna fountain every blessing to my heart to sing your praise. Well, good morning. It's really good to be with you today. Um, always honored to be able to come and share. Uh, from God's Word, and uh, but you know, it's just good to be in the presence of the Lord together as the people of God, isn't it? It is a privilege, it is a joy, and oh, how much we need Him, and we're certainly reminded of that through the experiences of life. Today, I want to talk about life, I want to talk about the Christian life, and what I'd like for you to do is turn in your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Colossians. We're going to begin there in just a moment, Colossians chapter 3. I'll be reading from um, the first verse in just a few moments, reading down through that chapter a a good bit. I'll be in in the uh, English Standard Version. But while you're locating that in your Bible, while you're locating Colossians, you know, back in the old days of black and white television, uh, back in the 50s and the 60s, there was a very popular show entitled, This Is Your Life. And you're looking at me saying, man, he's old, isn't he? No, I've heard about it. You know, I heard about it, okay? But the premise of this show each week was that they would surprise a person. Typically, it was a movie star, television star, some way famous. They would surprise them by unexpectedly showing up somewhere that this person was, and then they would, would lead through a celebration of this person's life. And they would go back in the, in the star's past and they would bring back some people, family members and friends, people from their formative years and all. And, and they would just all share remembrances of that person. And at the very end of the show, they would present um, the, the person who is, is being featured, they present them with this really nice leather-bound book 
that had all the written remembrances in it, and embossed on the front in gold, it said, this is your life. This is your life. Well, I want to tell you that here in Colossians 3, we have virtually the same thing. If you are a born-again believer in Christ, then right here in Colossians 3, we have your spiritual biography. Colossians 3 has your name written all over it. It is the written remembrance of what God has done in your life through Christ. It's a reminder of who you are and now how you're to live. This, my friend, is your life. Through my many years as a pastor and now uh, as an associational mission strategist, I find that one of the greatest hindrances to Christians today is their failure to understand who they are in Christ. Many fail to understand their their true identity as a believer, and thus they live beneath their position as a follower of Christ. And so today I want us to talk about what it looks like to be a Christian. Now I know that in recent weeks, Brother Dwayne has talked to you about what it means to be the people of God and what it means to be the church. Today I want us to talk about what it looks like. What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? What does it look like to live the Christian life? There are a lot of snapshots we can find in the Bible, but Colossians 3 is a really good one. Let's begin there, Colossians 3, verse 1. If, excuse me, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. So, this 
is what being a Christian looks like. This is our life, Christian friends. So what does this passage tell us about ourselves? Well, first of all, obviously, in those first four verses, we see that we have a new life in Christ. It says that we've died with Christ. It says that we are dead. Uh, we died because of uh, in Him uh, through His atoning death. But we also were raised with Christ. And, you know, that, that pictures for us... Um, baptism, the symbol of baptism. You think about it. When a person, a new follower of Christ, is baptism, when they're immersed in the water, it is a picture of our death, burial, and resurrection as a believer. It identifies us with the one who died and was buried in the tomb and rose again the third day. We are buried in those waters of baptism. It's a symbolism. But we rise again to walk in newness of life. So we have a new life in Jesus Christ. We died with Christ. We're raised with Christ. It also says in verse 3 that your life is now hidden in Christ. We're hidden. This speaks of our security in Christ. Nothing can separate us from His love. No man can pluck us from His hand. We are forever secure in Him. But it also says in verse 4 that you will also appear with Him. So we will appear with Christ. Someday we're going to appear with Him in glory. We will be with Him and dwell with Him forever. Now, you know, some people like to be seen with important people. You know what I mean? For example, sometimes lesser-known politicians try to get their picture made with someone in higher office, maybe a governor, president, whatever, in order to kind of elevate them and make them seem more important. Listen, friends, you got something better than that. Someday, you are going to be seen with Jesus. You're going to be with Him. You are going to dwell with Him forever. And the summary statement there in, that, in those first four verses, in verse 4, it says, Christ, who is your life. He is your life now. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and now you belong to Him. There's been an exchange that has taken place, an exchange life, and now your life is His, and you're in Him. Wow. So this reflects, these verses here, these opening verses, reflect the spiritual reality of our position and our identity in Christ. This is who we now are as a result of being born again. This is our spiritual biography. This is our life. So we have a new life, but we have also a new focus that gives direction to our new life. Look again there in chapter 3. Look at the first two verses once more. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So you see, we have a new life, and a new life requires a new focus, doesn't it? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So we're no longer to be consumed by the things of this world. As followers of Jesus, our lives are to have a kingdom focus. So that means redirecting our priorities. It says, since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. That's our focus. We're to have a kingdom focus. You know, I I really enjoy sports. I I enjoy Kentucky football. (laughs) Except for last night, you know. 
uh, and except for last week, and except for the week before, okay? <laughs> but, you know, I hated to see Kentucky lose that game to Tennessee. Now, I know there's some covert Big Orange fans in this room. But listen, you know, here's the thing. Life goes on. In the scope of eternity, what does a football game matter? It doesn't matter one bit. When I pastored a church in Florida, uh, one of my son's friends uh, said he always hated it when Florida State lost a football game. But he, he said that his dad would be in a mad, bad mood for days. Even the dog was scared of him, you know, uh, because he would take it out on everyone. Friends, we've got to keep things in perspective. We've got to have our priorities in order. Set our focus on things that are above. Our son Jordan lives in Washington, D.C. He and his family have been there for some 16 years now. He's really had a... He's had, had a really good career in public service, and we're proud of him. But most of all, we're proud for how the Lord has used him. And uh, he got involved some years ago in a brand-new Southern Baptist church plant right in D.C. within view of the Capitol Dome. That church started with a handful, and my, our son and daughter-in-law were a part of that. Now they're running in the hundreds. Can you believe that? Praise the Lord. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, and so Jordan, from the very beginning was involved in the music ministry of the church. And uh, early on, one day, one of his co-workers that worked in a political office with him, a uh, co-worker named Michael, learned that Jordan was going to be playing guitar at church. And so he said he wanted to come hear Jordan play. Well, Michael went to hear Jordan play that first Sunday, and he never, never quit coming. It's been years, seven years, I think now. He's never quit coming. And I remember Jordan saying to me, Dad, if the only reason... Now listen to this. He said, Dad, if the only reason that you and Mom bought me that guitar years ago and made me take those guitar lessons is so one day Michael would be saved, then it's worth it all. And ultimately, I'm happy to tell you, Michael, a young man with a Catholic background from upstate New York, gave his life to Christ and was baptized... And he's a faithful member. He's even been on mission trips for his church. Friends, here's the thing. We've got to be focused on kingdom priorities. Whatever our career, whatever our job, wherever God has placed us, the greatest thing of all is to be focused on the kingdom of God and how God wants to use us. So we need to do that. We, and, and also when we're focusing on God's kingdom, we've got to refocus our thoughts. Verse 2 again, set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. Romans chapter 2 talks about the renew, or chapter 12 rather, talks about the renewing of our minds. Our minds need to be renewed. We need to let Jesus refocus our thoughts. We need to let Jesus renew our minds on an ongoing basis. In the past, some people used to say, well, you know, you Christians are so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Well, the sad reality today is most Christians are so earthly-minded, they're no heavenly good. What do you think about most of the time? What do you think about? Did you know it's been said that what you think about is what you become? We need to let Jesus continually renew our minds and refocus our thoughts because that new life we have in Christ requires a new focus. There's another thing interesting in this chapter, though. It says we also have a new wardrobe. A new wardrobe that outfits us for our new life. Look in chapter 5. Now, here we have, here we, we have this life and death imagery 
that's con- uh, continuing uh, from chapter uh, from verse four above. It says, "Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming." So he's going on saying, "These are not to be a part of." What you're to be, uh, what who you are. But look in verse nine. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices, and have put on the new self. So now the imagery changes from a life and death ministry imagery to a imagery of clothing. There are some old habits, friends, <clears throat> that do not fit you any longer. There are old habits that do not fit. The Christian life. There's some old character traits that are not to be a part of our lives. There's some new characteristics that now should be a part of who we are in Christ. Many years ago, one of my lifelong friends and his wife came to visit us, and uh, they uh, came. Mark is his name. They came to see us, and uh, the weather was quite nice when they came, but all of a sudden, we had this abrupt change in weather that came. I mean, it got bitter cold, and, and, and Mark and Charlene, his wife, they didn't even have any coats with them. They didn't have a jacket. So I said, Mark, I'll loan you one of mine, okay? Now, here's the thing. I'm 5'7", he's 6'2", 6'3", you know. Um, you know, I have, I have very short arms. He has really long arms. And I gave him my extra winter coat. We actually went out to a pizza hut to get something to eat. And he had that coat on. And I swear, it was up, the sleeves were here, you know, up to his elbows. And, the, you know, it's supposed to be a long coat. And it was like here on him like this. And it's obvious it did not fit. It was comical. Uh, but it did not fit who he was. When you become a Christian, there's some things that don't fit who you are now. The Lord has a new wardrobe for you to wear. If you try to wear anything else, it's not going to fit who you are now. And you're going to be quite uncomfortable, and that discrepancy is going to be quite noticeable to everyone. So we've got a new wardrobe in Christ. I remember I met a guy years ago, and he found out I was a pastor. He suddenly turned and said, Hey, hey. I may not look like it, but I'm a believer too, you know. It was funny when he said that. And this is like, gosh, this is 30 years ago, I guess. And uh, he had long hair, he had a long beard. A lot of people got beards today, but I didn't even have one then. But he had this beard, and he just thought, maybe I thought, he didn't look the part. He didn't look like what a Christian's supposed to look like, whatever that means. But, but here's the thing. Your Christianity is not evidenced by the style of clothes, but by the shape of your character. It's not the physical wardrobe, it's the spiritual wardrobe that matters. Now, here in our text, it talks about putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. And, and that's a, that is a, understand, that is a one-time action positionally, okay? But it is a continuous action practically. You understand what I mean? We have a new identity, and when we come to Christ, the, off, the, the old is off, the new has come on. But practically on a daily basis we've got to continue to put off the old put on the new put off the old put on the new so so we've got to 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 have that wardrobe in place that fits our new life and uh, but let's talk a little bit about this putting off the characteristics of our old life and i began reading a moment ago verse 5 put to death therefore what is earthly in you 
uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, what do we have here? We have uncontrolled desires. Uncontrolled desires. When we are not led by the Spirit, my friends, uh, we can easily be driven by our physical appetites and by our emotions, our feelings. They can hold sway over us. But God, God created us. Understand, God created us to have strong appetites and desire. When they are allowed to dominate us, they can destroy us. But when channeled correctly and according to their intended purpose, they can bring positive fulfillment to our lives. So we have to live within the parameters of God's boundaries, within the parameters of God's will. Emotions and, and desires and passions are not a bad thing, but they've got to be channeled or they can easily be misused and abused. And so as a Christian, we need to understand that. So there's uncontrolled desires that we need to, uh, to uh, put off from our lives. There's also unchristian temperament. Unchristian temperament. If you look in verse 8, uh, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Boy, we live in a world today that is so angry. There is so much hostility. You've been on social media lately? And it's everywhere. It carries over into our, our everyday lives. How many Christians let themselves be driven by anger? How many, how many are carrying around this, this unresolved hostility? And you know, we can mask those traits sometimes, but they manifest themselves in other forms like bitterness, smoldering resentment, impatience, irritability. That's not to be a part of who we are. God made us better than that. God, God has, has saved us from some things, friend. So, unchristian temperament. And here's another one. Unwarranted prejudice. Unwarranted prejudice. Look in verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, we like to categorize people a lot of different ways. He's talking here about Greek and Jew. That's, that's a racial designation. Circumcised and uncircumcised. That's a religious designation. Barbarian, Scythian. Well, that's, that's a cultural designation, if you will. And, and then slave or free, we could say that's an economic designation. But here's the thing. Prejudice has no part in the people of God. In Christ, we're all one. He is the maker of us all. And he is the one who brings all together under uh, the banner of the cross, under the blood of Jesus Christ. God doesn't want us to divide ourselves. See, it's sinfulness that causes us to divide ourselves and segment ourselves from other people. And That's your group, and this is my group, and I don't like your group, and I want to be with my group. That's sin. Christ loves all. Christ seeks to redeem all, and we have to love all as well. How do we unlearn these old patterns of behavior? How do we rid ourselves of, of conduct that is beneath us as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, the bottom line is we've got to replace them with new patterns of behavior. Godly, Christ-like patterns of behavior. Just saying don't do this is one thing, but, but something more proactive. Let's aspire to what God has for us, the greatness that God has. Let's talk about putting on our new life, the characteristics of our new life. Uh, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen 
ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Okay, there's compassion. We need to wear compassion in our wardrobe. Kindness, humility, meekness. That can be gentleness in some translations. Patience. And then bearing with one another. Uh, If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. So there's forgiveness. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And verse 14, and above all these, put on love. Put on love. This is what a Christian is supposed to look like. All of these are, all of these are layers in the wardrobe, if you will. And love, you, you bind love over all these. So love is like, like the big overcoat. It encompasses everything else. It's the big outer garment with lots of layers underneath. And love holds everything together. It covers everything else. This is who we are. Interesting, if you look over in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm not going to turn there or read from there, but in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, we know we have the, the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, this is essentially the, the same list that appears here. He doesn't refer to them as the fruit of the Spirit. He refers to them as, as something we should put on, as, as it were, the Christian's wardrobe. It's interesting that in the fruit of the Spirit list in Galatians 5, it starts with love, but here it ends with love. And love really is the beginning and the end. It's everything. Everything is based on that. So, so we're talking about all this today. How do we cultivate these qualities, these needful qualities in our lives? The world needs these qualities. They need to see this in us. How do we cultivate them? First of all, we've got to remember, we've got to remember who we are. We've got to remember what Christ has done for us. Again, in those opening verses, we died with Him. We've risen with Him. We have a new life in Him. And, and He is our life. Don't forget that. Don't lose sight of that. The Christian life is not something you add on, like joining some little club over here. It's not some little component of your life. It is your life. Christ is your life. Please understand that. Christian, that's what Christianity is. It's not just a, a, a forgiveness ticket to heaven to escape hell. It is a life that you live now to the glory of God. And you'll be living that through all eternity for the glory of God. And your conversion and your life of obedience to God will be a testimony to His glory forever. That's what it is. That's what it means to be a Christian. We've also got to to remember, as we're thinking about how to cultivate these qualities, how to put on these qualities in our lives, we've got to remember everything does rise or fall on love. The foundation of our faith is a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, here in Colossians 3, love is presented as the culmination of our spiritual wardrobe. In Galatians 5, as I mentioned, love is listed as first and foremost among the fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 13, love is described as the preeminent spiritual gift. In the Gospels, Jesus said, the greatest commandment of all is love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know who your neighbor is. It's everybody that's not you. It's everybody else. And in the Gospels, or in the upper room, John 13, the night before he went to the cross, Jesus said, By this everyone will know 
that you are my disciples if you love one another. So our love is a testimony of the life-changing power of the gospel. It's undeniable evidence for the transformation that Jesus can bring to a person's life. So if we're going to live a life that honors God, we've got to live a life that reflects His character. We've got, to, we've got to prioritize our love relationship with Him. We've got to grow in that relationship with Him so we grow in all these other character traits. We also cultivate these character traits by pursuing His peace. Look in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called, in one body, and be thankful. Pursuing his peace. The peace, the peace of his presence. Now, please understand this important reality. Peace is not merely a concept. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. Ephesians 2.14 says, He himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Real peace only comes from him. As I already said a few moments ago, we are living in such an angry world. We need to be peacemakers. We need to be peacemakers. Not peace at any price. Don't think that. Not compromising the integrity of our faith. I don't mean that. Not watering down the word by no means. But just seeking to bring peace where there's confusion and compassion where there is pain. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called children of God. You know what? We never look more like God's children than when we're walking in peace. Walking in the peace of His presence. And then, what else? Worship. We cultivate all these traits through worship. Through worshiping Him. Uh, Look as that verse continues. uh, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing others in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, when we worship God, we magnify His presence in our lives. Uh, We dethrone self and we enthrone Him. We get things right the way they're supposed to be. Uh, He becomes more real to us. Worship is more than a service. It's more than something you attend. I hope you do more than attend if you call it worship. It's more than that. Worship is our lives. Worship worship is the attitude. It is the condition of our heart. Worship has to do with the worth that we describe, that we ascribe unto God. How much is God worth to us? How much do we value God? And that should happen every day of our lives so that people know that we are His children. We worship Him. More than in word, but also in deed, but more than all, in our hearts. We worship Him. And then what else? Through the Word. Oh, the Word of God is so essential to our growth as Christians. Verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. There it is, the Word of Christ. The Bible is a love letter written to us. It is the very Word of God. It is the inspired, God-breathed, infallible Word of God. There is power in the Word. The written Word reveals the living Word, Jesus. It points us to Him. It connects us to Him. 
The psalmist said, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God's word revives us. It refreshes us. It renews us. It restores us. That's why we need to be in the word. And then through thanksgiving, through thanksgiving. It says in the latter part of that, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, grateful people, grateful people are going to have more compassion. They're going to have more kindness. They're going to have more humility. They're going to have more gentleness. They're going to have more patience. They're going to have more forgiveness. And they're going to have more love. Because grateful people know that all that they have and all that they are comes to them as a result of God's gracious provision. Today, friends, right here, we've looked at your spiritual biography. This is your life, Christian. This is the story God has written for you. How are you doing at living it? Oh, we all fall short. We all fall short, don't we? We all stumble. But thank God for His grace. And by God's grace, though, this is who we are. This is our identity. This is our position. We didn't earn it or deserve it. It is a gift of God. Thank God for that. But it is now incumbent upon each one of us to live the life God has charted out for us. And the good thing is, the good thing is that we don't live it alone. That the Holy Spirit, who indwells us at the moment of regeneration, at the moment of our new birth, the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. And other believers, other precious believers, people in this room seated around you, they're there to walk the journey with you. We all need each other. Iron sharpens iron. We're not alone. God is with us. He's placed us in a spiritual family. But now it is incumbent upon us to live the life He has given us. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we want to thank you today that you are an incredibly awesome God. We praise your name today. Father, Father, you have given us so much. We haven't even scratched the surface on understanding all that is ours in Christ. What a tremendous gift of grace. Father, help us to be renewed in our minds, to be refreshed, to, to, to be restored in our passion for you so that we will grow in these areas and that we will use our days, certainly the days that we have left on this planet, help, them to, help us to use them to honor you and to point others to you. This is our life, Lord. This is our life. Help us to live it to your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing our invitational hymn. and.